warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Bex, and I'm a primary school teacher who's taught across the age ranges and also work in further education as well, so training the next generation of teachers too. And I'm Chris Hudson, I'm a retired teacher, author and teacher trainer, and I'm very excited to be here today. And today we are exploring maths learning outcomes with this week's story based on characters from the Bible. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Barabbas the Bandit. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated beautifully by Ellie Booth Bentley, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Oh, and as Bex reminded me at the end of yesterday, you can also get the story's lesson guide as a PDF, including additional resources for all the ideas we discuss here, plus any further ideas that we didn't have time to mention. So plenty of reasons to become an epic educator right now. Oh, actually, not right now, because of course we've got a discussion to have. So, right now then, let's continue our discussion with Chris and Bex and Barabbas here, and we're going to get counting what maths is actually in here beyond Barabbas counting the days that he's been in the jail <laughs> on the on the stone wall, like they always do in the films. Oh, yes. Yeah. Chris, do you want to take us away? I've got a mystery for you. Oh. And it goes like this. Quickly, um, piece of paper, pen. And would you please write these four numbers? 1, 14, 14, and 4. Okay. Okay, I'll say it again. 1, 14, 14, and 4. Underneath, so underneath the 1, I want you to write 11. Mm. Underneath the 14, I want you to write 7. Underneath the second 14, I want you to write 6. Underneath the 4, I want you to write 9. Okay. Okay. Then the next line going, you know, we're, we're creating columns here. The next line will go 8, 10, 10, and 5. Yeah. And the last line will be 13, 2, 3, and 15. Got it. Well, what you got there is a magic square. Now, for those who haven't come across it, a magic square is a collection of numbers which has each line, each column, and, and other parts of it all come to the same number. Hmm. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this in the context of Barabbas the Bandit is that if you visit the city of Barcelona in Spain and go to the Basilica del Sagrada Familia, this giant kind of church that's full of modern art, on the outside of one of the walls, you'll see this magic square. This exact one that you've got? Us this exact okay. one, that, you know. Yeah. And all the numbers are connected. Now, of course, you can just present this magic square to children without saying what it is and say, what's going on here? Can you see any relationships? Get them working in pairs. And you can give mm -hmm. a clue, like adding up some of the lines, et cetera, et cetera, and some of the blocks in there. And all the numbers, all the lines, et cetera, come to 33. <laughs> now, yes, you got it there. But And then you can ask, do any of us know the significance of the number and why it might feature on a church? Yeah. Oh, that's it. And because 33 is sometimes called the Jesus number, mm -hmm. and that's his age. We don't know for certain, but that's what 
most churches seem to agree his age was when the Easter story takes place. Yeah. But you could say, so what? Why not just put 33 in big numbers? Why use a magic square? Well, it's a bit of a mystery because the more you study it, the more patterns emerge. And perhaps the man who put it here was saying, this story's got more to it than you think. And interestingly, it's right next to the statue showing Judas, who was one of Jesus' so-called friends, kissing him as a sign that, you know, this is the one you should be arresting. Mm. But why put the square here? You know, it's an interesting mystery. And children can be just set the magic square itself as a, what is it? Can you see the relationships in it? But then they can be set the challenge of creating magic squares themselves. And there's lots of things you can find online. Um, they can produce a three by three, four by four. If they really want to get smart, five by five. There's there are systematic ways of doing it, but relating it to the Easter story, that sense of mystery, because sometimes a mystery can be seen as well, it's just a puzzle, mm. you know, who, you know, who done it, that kind of thing. But there's also a much older sense of mystery, which is there's something deeper here going on. Yeah, there's something that maybe if we spend time in it, we might discover more thoughts. Mm. That's the reason I think it's there. Because the whole Easter story itself is a mystery. Um, you know, there are other things in there. The more you study it, the more you see. I love the idea of, yeah, showing mm. showing mystery through maths. It's brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I shall um, follow on from the mystery of maths to the mystery of the missing money and the missing um, fruit and vegetables. Um, so I was, I was kind of toying with... Um, whether this was appropriate or not um but i was thinking of writing some word problems so if barabbas stole this many um this much money and this was the total how much would the um oh, the kind of the mm. market seller have left and um he had the uh grocer you know the grocer on the grocer car in the morning there were this many oranges obviously i would look at context and look at what fruit uh, fruits and vegetables might be sold i wouldn't just say <laughs> like um mangoes um and put them into a word problem he had this many of each of these fruits and this is his cart at the end what's been taken mm -hmm. um and how do you mm -hmm. know convince me um, and then get the children perhaps to write their own word problems for their friends to solve based on the story and mm -hmm. um, so to or how many scorpions um you know, were dropped on the people's heads. Just thinking Lovely. about um, fun ways to um, create some word problems to do yeah. with maths. Um, mm. Younger children would really like that. And you could have a manipulative, so you could actually have some objects out on the tables for the children to take away and to be able to mm -hmm. count how many are left and work out the answer to the problems and then get them to work, write their own. And then you can put that the problems up in the, your continuous provision in your early years and year one and maybe even year two and get the children to go back to them and uh, write their own or change the numbers and see if they can still solve them. Um, so I think it's quite a tenuous and interesting link, but maths nevertheless. Yeah. So um, that adding and taking away. I mean, if if Rob was here, I know he'd he'd definitely come up with something about, you know, all the legs on the scorpions. Uh, yes. That, that would be an extra problem. <laughs> Them for you but i was thinking you, you you were concerned about using this with your children because you know it may be i don't know advocating stealing or something yeah. but don't <laughs> yeah. forget um when the soldiers grab barabbas he's still going to have all of that money on him so maybe part of the problem can mm. be getting the money back to who it's been taken from yes to the yeah. right people. Yeah. How much yeah, so needs to go back to the restaurant? How, mu how yeah. much needs to go back yes. to the city of Bethlehem? How much to Nazareth? Making yes. sure that the soldiers are carrying the right amount of coins with them. So, 
Yes, that's very good. Okay. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Returning the money as well. You're, you're clearly more Barabbas-minded, Bex. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm clearly more Roman. A thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to just uh, nip back up to the ages 7 to 11, I think, because, Chris, you, you snuck the Titanic into one of our earlier discussions, oh, yes. and I believe you were actually wanting to mention that here, weren't you? Yes. It's partly PSHE, this idea, but it's definitely math. And for those who haven't come across it, the story of the Titanic, there's some fascinating maths available. Uh, I produced some lesser material on this, which you can actually find on the uh, still on the BRF Resources Hub about this. Well, I think it's fascinating because one thing we can do, we can study the statistics of who survived the sinking of the Titanic and who didn't. Mm. And the numbers are remarkable because once you start looking at the percentages of the who was on the ship when it started mm. and who was rescued, it becomes pretty clear that if you were a member of the crew, you were highly unlikely to survive. Mm. If you were a woman or a child, you were very likely to survive. Mm. If you were in a lower class, uh, you know, third class, your chance of survival were much lower. If you were in first class, your chances were much higher. So if you were a posh woman or child, your chances of survival actually weren't that mm. bad. Now, the statistical work you can do with this, um, you can do percentages. What percentage of people were before it sank? What percentage were uh, rescued? Um, but then you can also turn this into pie charts. Mm. So there's some very good data handling. Here's the figures. What can we show for crew, men? or women and children yeah. in third class, second class, first class. What do we notice going on? So we're not just number crunching. Mm. We can also be, these are real human consequences. Basically, if you were richer, you stood a better chance of getting in a lifeboat mm. than if you were third class. So, okay, this is a little snapshot of the world in 1912, but the numbers have consequences. And sometimes yeah. when we're looking at numbers, you know, it's just an abstract thing that's out there just playing around with the language mm. but actually the numbers can each one of those represents a real human life a member of somebody's family i think what you're doing here chris is you are using maths to once again as, as you're doing with the magic squares you're using it to come back and look at the the pshe mm. themes in yes. the story yes so we we start with barabbas we go to sacrifice we go to the titanic we go into maths we um, yes. look at well, not just sacrifice there, but also fairness and, yeah, lots of ways you can bring this back again to the Barabbas story, the Easter story, and that's very cleverly done. Mm -hmm. But, of course, bringing it back to the Easter story is an important bit. What do we do with this information? Yeah. And, you know, how do we interpret it? That's all we have time for today, folks, and indeed this week. Now, if you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please feel free to let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. We'll be back next week so Barabbas can help us plan lessons in science, RE, philosophy, history, geography, music, design and technology. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, 
Cheerio! Cheerio. And we, we hope, hope to hear your story, story soon. soon.